It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here in Columbia. And uh, big guest coming up. But first of all, we've got to pay the bills and make sure we can do this podcast again next week. Well, realistically, we could probably do it anyway, but this makes it a lot easier. Shakespeare's Events and Catering has been our sponsor for about a month now. And Shakespeare's will bring pizza to you, 25 people to 2,500 people, anywhere from 5 to $8 per person. They have three locations in Columbia. Uh, they have one out south, one out west, one downtown. I think you can find them if you have Google Maps on your phone. If you understand Google, you can find Shakespeare's on the internet at shakespeare's.com. All the information you're going to need is there. They have private uh, private areas in any of their three restaurants, usually free of charge. Sometimes they get busy and they might charge you a dollar or two to use one of their rooms. Uh, but they will always bring pizza to you. Again, up to 2,500 people. So do that and... Uh, Make us happy and make yourself happy. All right, now this week we are, as we said, over the summer trying to catch up with, with some names you guys will recognize and, and some former players, things like that, on the podcast. And hopefully, I think most of you guys are going to recognize our guest this week, former Missouri quarterback, former New York Jet, Buffalo Bill. I might have missed some in there, but uh, Brad Smith joining us. And Brad, how you doing, man? appreciate you taking the time. I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me. So I, I know uh, a lot of Missouri fans would love us to just sit and talk about every game of your career here. A lot of them still still go back and watch old tapes. We'll do a little bit of that. But first off, I, people want to know just uh, what are you doing now that you're not playing in the NFL anymore? Uh, um, just it's a lot of family time, which is awesome. Um, I have an eight and a six year old now, and so <laughs> we're just enjoying them, running them around sports and school and activities and stuff, and. And then on the, I guess on the side, I do some uh, venture capital with real estate and some tech companies, just a, a little bit here and there. So uh, just staying busy. And are you back in Ohio or where are you living at now? Uh, we live in Austin, Texas. So my, my wife's from tech from Austin, so that's where we ended up settling. Speaking kind of of things you've you've done lately, I know you spoke to the Missouri football team. I think it was uh, about a month ago or so. Uh, just kind of how, how did that event come together, and, and what was kind of your uh, your your primary message? Uh, yeah, it was really cool. Um, Austin Carter Samuels was uh, just reached out, and you know he's doing a great job uh, at Mizzou with you know more than just football, but just the mental side, the spiritual side, and um, kind of every aspect of the player's life kind of try to make an impact that way. So he reached out and asked us, you know, I could come and speak at one of their Wednesday sections, uh, Wednesday or Thursday sessions. And, you know, I was just honored to do that. And more so just wanted to talk about what it means to be a man, um, you know, especially in this, in this game is, is so hyper masculine and like everything is so uh, performance based and just what it, what it really means, what success really looks like outside of the game when you get done from it. Um, you know, 15 years from now, nobody's really going to care. They might remember your name, maybe, <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, you know, how, 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 what kind of father you are, um, how you take care of your finances, how you treat people, um, your relationship with God, like those are the things that's going to, that's going to matter. Those are the things that are gonna, people are going to look at first when they think about you. You're talking about 15 years ago, and it occurred to me when you were talking to the team, like the oldest guy in that room was probably about a 
second or a third grader when you last played at Missouri? I mean, does it seem that long ago to you? It really doesn't, man. It went so fast. Um, I was talking to to my family, and it was like, <laughs> like my wife said the same thing. Like you're really old, man. Like, <laughs> these are like they were babies when you were like a senior in college. So it was it was weird to 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 look at that, but just to see. I mean, I don't know about other groups. I haven't really talked to the other uh, teams before, but they were just all really engaged and wanting to learn and wanting to talk and ask questions. And you know, I really appreciated that. Obviously, you know, we mentioned it's it's uh it's been a little while since you played at Missouri and a lot of things uh, have changed uh from, you mm-hmm. know, the the newest stuff, the being the the kind of the South End Zone project down to probably I don't think the Matsy was even around uh when you were here. What 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 is most striking I guess to you as far as just kind of the differences between then and now? I mean, of course, just the physical differences like on campus and seeing all the the new buildings on campus and and around the downtown type of area apartments and stuff that that's just totally different um that's, that's one thing than the physical uh change of the south end zone and all, everything that's going on there is just because when we when i was there the new facility that, that's there now i guess it's the old one wasn't even there so it was like man like how is this things keep progressing things keep getting bigger and just really proud to see all the progress and then um, just from you know see coach pinkle and all the success he had and then kind of transition to coach odom and uh, how he's building these young guys up and, and able to get you know to bowl games and uh, combine those two things is really really cool to see. I, I know that you've been back to Columbia a few times. I mean that was that was hardly yeah. the first time in the last twelve years or so. But I, just on a on a weekly basis, how how closely do you follow what they're doing on the field and and how well do you do you know the team and stuff like that? Uh, I mean, I follow every week. I'm always looking if they're on TV. Uh, I have it on. Um, it's like we're not a big football fan. We never have been like my whole life. I never had a favorite team. So, you know, it's it was kinda of like background noise. But yeah. now, um just connecting with I mean, from, from Drew, um, the last few years to uh now Kelly and uh Albert, just connecting with these guys and Larry, uh talking to them and, and seeing their of course their passion for the game, their love for their teammates and there's a desire to be successful, um, like genuine desire make it just makes that connection to want to to help them want to be invested in them and watching the games just to kind of help. And, you know, if I can give an eye and I can text the guy and say, Hey, uh, did you see this or that um, has really been cool uh, to be a part of. So I'm, I'm definitely invested, but um, I try to, you know, remove myself from the game a little bit because it can be intense. Brad, I know a lot of people kind of, you know, point to, to your time as, as the beginning of kind of the, the Mizzou football renaissance under Gary Pinkle. I'm curious, you know, did you get a sense that that could be the case uh, while you were on campus? And if so, what 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 are kind of the the things that you point to to you know that you noticed maybe things are, are kind of starting to shift during your four years? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think I guess when you know recruiting coming out of high school, it was a chance to be a part of something special. Was kind of the sales pitch, you know, Coach Yost and Coach Tingle, Coach Eberflus. They kind of were they really drove that home, like the chance to to change and to build something that's, that's really cool. And um, not to diminish anything that the guys have done before, like um, all the great athletes and players that played at Mizzou, um, but to actually, you know, build even more of a legacy of a, a winning legacy and, um, you know, players getting drafted and things of that nature. So, I mean, that was always a talk from the beginning. Um, you know, first, you know, throughout the time, my whole time, it was, it was tough. It was a struggle. I mean, we had, 
a lot of issues we're dealing with internally, externally, and um, I can't say I ever really saw, uh, okay, yeah, this is the time where we're, you know, the program's going to change around. Um, until maybe our, the last game we played in when, you know, we came from behind against a good football team in South Carolina, and um, that's kind of maybe the, the first time I felt that, okay, we're off to something good. And, of course, all the recruiting that the the guys, the coaches done and getting all those great players, that <laughs> ton of draft picks and NFL players that came through there and still do, um, you can really see that, that shift. Hey, you mentioned the recruiting process, and obviously, you know, that's what that's a lot of what we do. A lot of our listeners are, are real interested in that. And I know a lot's been written about when you were recruited to Missouri. I, I don't know that, that I've ever really heard your side of it. I mean, just hey, tell us about from when, when Gary came here from Toledo and, and just that whole process that, that led you mm-hmm. to Missouri when, when, frankly, like, you know, you weren't one of these five-star kids that everybody knew about. Right. Right, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know about the star thing. Like, I didn't know there were stars. Like, what is this? Um, so that was interesting. I mean, it was really. I had a couple um, Mac offers, um, like Bowling Green and Akron. I think Toledo, Youngstown State, and um, Coach Pinkle was at Toledo and was like, "Hey, if we're getting a job at Missouri. Uh, you know, would you want to come with us?" I'm like, "Where is Missouri?" <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea where Missouri was, even on the map, just being, you know, how I grew up and where I'm from. It's like you don't even think about outside the city. Mm-hmm. And so I found, found it on the map and then still didn't know much about it. And it was like, who do, who do they play against? What conference? And said Big 12. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Because mm-hmm. um, it was it was the biggest conference that, that recruited me. So, um, yeah, just that was, that was all it took for me, um, just the opportunity to compete against what I felt would be some of the best teams and players in the country at the time. So that was Jimmy. Coach Pinkle always talks about, I mean, yeah, he had to get you on board. He had to get your mom on board. He always tells the story that the biggest thing was going to your church and talking to your pastor and getting him on board. Is is that actually the way it went down? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, you hear your pastor like it's some kind of, uh, you get like some spiritual uh, waiver to sign off to go. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it, it was, you know, we, we take the spirituality thing and kind of legalize it. But it was, I mean, uh, Pastor Wagner was like my father. Mm-hmm. Um, had Coming from a single-parent home in, you know, in Youngstown, Ohio, there wasn't a lot of positive male influences except for at our church and, and, and Pastor Wagner. So having that was basically having him talk to my dad. And um, just making sure that um, having a man that could say, you know, what are you about? What are, you, what are your plans? Kind of from that angle. My mom didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't know what questions to ask. Nobody had ever played football in college. So just having that male figure there um, to kind of check all the boxes and say, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, we're good to go. Was yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And Pastor Wagner was definitely a he's a tough sell. So uh, <laughs> that would uh, that's I guess that's where the story came from. Well, we touched on the the Pinkle story from from your recruitment. I'm I'm curious. Do you have a a favorite Gary Pinkle moment or story from your uh, time playing with him? Uh, um, there are a lot, a lot of funny moments. Like, oh man, um, I think we lost one game. I, like we were favored to win it, and um, he like he called everybody out by name, like every position group. <laughs> so he called out by name one by one, like Brad Smith, Sonny Russo. I'm going to come and stand up. <laughs> he, goes, uh, 
as soon as we stood up, he told us to sit down. He's like, you, you got your butt kicked. Then he would go to the next group. And then T.J. Mosley and T. Ellison, they stand up. Sit down, you got So it was, he went through every coach, every player, and uh, every position group and was like, just had to stand up. And as soon as he stood up, he sit down. And that was probably, <laughs> there's so many moments like that uh, where he was just, he was so, he's so driven on, on creating a, the culture and the team and the program uh, that, you know, if you were, <laughs> If you're a part of it, you're going you're gonna to get in line. <laughs> I'm curious, Brad, you, so much of, of what you, your story all along has been, you know, your faith, and you're talking about how, how football is this kind of, I mean, caveman, masculine game. How did you – did you ever have any trouble kind of maintaining what your foundation was as a person throughout not only the, the college culture but the NFL culture where, you know, frankly, it's uh, – uh, there's a lot of football players and a lot of athletes that that maybe uh, don't have kind of that same background that you do. Oh man, yeah, it's 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 definitely not easy, but it also at the same time it is what what you make it to be. It's what you expose yourself to, um, the environments that you put yourself in. And I think, I mean, you know, by the grace of God and being around other people and making the decision, like uh, like early on, I guess in college, I just thought about and. and and realize that I don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Like I don't have to, you know, go get drunk. I don't have to do all the typical college student stuff that people ascribe to college students. Like I, I wanted to be different. I wanted to be, I didn't want to do the same thing. So just understanding like I don't have to do that was, was big for me. And then, you know, there was more so, I mean, not the, the spiritual side, but like just dealing with, ups and downs of being a quarterback and being a, a college football player with, you know, uh, either too much being put on you for winning or too much being put on you for losing. So, you know, battling, you know, the mental health side of it, the depression, the, um, you know, the feeling too good about yourself. And, you know, that struggle was probably, the, you know, the biggest one for me. Um, then the NFL was just kind of, it's, it's your job now. So that, that was kind of easy to focus on um, at that point. But college was probably a little bit tougher. You've mentioned a couple times just kind of the, the culture around the team. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. you're not you know embedded in the team like you were when when you played, but you you have spoken to them. You said you follow them somewhat. How do you get a sense of of how that culture is maybe developed and, and where it's at right now heading into this season? Um, I think Coach Odom has done a like a really amazing job of investing in the men that he's coaching. Um, and some people do it simply to to see the success on the field or as a recruiting ploy. Um, but just being around Coach Odom and, you know, even when he was a GA um, when I was there, just you can see, you can tell the person's character and integrity if you're around him long enough. And I feel hopefully he doesn't prove me wrong, but uh, <laughs> just seeing it um, consistently over the years and then, you know, seeing what the time and the um, – things he's trying to do to help them become great men. And um, I want him to do well so he can continue to do that, to build them up that way. I think, you know, having a, a, a coach like that, and then it trickles down to the staff to say, hey, you have to really care about these men. And when you, once as a young man you see an older guy, an authority figure care about you, like genuinely to be successful, then you're going to try to care about your teammate next to you and the selfishness kind of, seeps out of the locker room and it becomes more of a team oriented thing and you become a better football team because of it. 
and I think you know that culture. Um, he's doing a great job of developing that and a genuine, strong. I want you to be successful, and then we can all be successful together. I'm curious. Uh, we're talking with Brad Smith, former Mizzou quarterback, and uh, you don't strike me as the kind of guy who like watches highlights or puts any of your awards out in the living room or anything. But every Missouri fan oh, has. Yeah, I do. Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> every Missouri fan has kind of their their favorite, you know, Brad Smith game, whether it was Nebraska or the South Carolina game, Texas Tech. Do you have one game from your college career or one moment or anything on the field that that kind of stood above the rest? No, no. I mean, it's hard to take just one while you're playing. You just kind of, you know, you go do it and, and you leave it all out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, may, it might have been even losses that have been kind of my, maybe not my favorite moment, but most impactful where, you know, you lose to a, you know, a team and um, and you realize, and you find out who you are, you know, as a person. And, and that's carried me further than any win has, I think, uh, that that, development i think losing to texas uh when vince was playing mm-hmm. um i think that was probably like man i re- i began to know who i am uh, just as a leader as a man and uh, i probably carry that more than any win brad obviously you, you wound up playing in the nfl but uh more as a receiver and, and especially return man uh i'm curious i've mm-hmm. always kind of wanted to ask what in, in your opinion obviously it takes a certain measure of athleticism but what what makes a good return man why is it that you know some people like yourself can can carve out such a successful niche there whereas uh you know maybe some other athletes cannot um i, I think um just it's i mean you got to be crazy a little bit <laughs> um <laughs> to be honest with you um and then uh i was blessed with a, a great coach and mike westoff at the jets that who was just a really stickler for details the blocking and then, you know, how to time a return, where you're looking for, how you're looking for a block, how you read it. Um, so he taught me a lot. I mean, it's really about, you know, timing and then um, speed speed through the um, the read. So speed through when that first blocker in that wedge or um, the immediately the first person that, that makes contact, uh, once that first person makes that block, just uh, the explosion through that, that hole. I mean, it's, it's a five to ten yard burst. But you got to have that that ability to separate at that point at that point of attack. I think that's important for a returner. Some guys are really shifty, uh, but I I wasn't. I'm not. So that was important to have that burst through. You know, the five ten yards when that uh, decision needs to be made. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And then you know, some guys are just immensely fast that can just outrun everybody. But that wasn't me. <laughs> Did you ever have a moment of wondering? you know, what what it might have been or if you could have been a successful NFL quarterback or did you just dive in fully uh, to that transition once you got drafted? Uh, I mean, I always thought, I always think about it, I always thought about it. You know, it's just, I mean, that's a part of me. That's, that's who I am as, you know, you're a quarterback. Once you are one, you, you never stop being one. Um, so just it'd be, you know, interesting to see, you know, maybe drafted a few years later or uh, at a different time, you know, give them time to develop and learn and, uh, just what you know now, um, what could have been, but at the same time, like I said, I, I did dive head in, and I wouldn't trade it. My experience, um, learning about the game and appreciating it, I didn't know there was, I didn't, I knew there were special teams, but I never paid attention <laughs> to, you know, at Missouri, I was like, okay, they're doing this thing, and then we're gonna go get the ball type thing. Like so, it was, it was never that important to me until 
I had to do it myself, and I understood the impact it had on the game. So I would I wouldn't trade uh, my experience for anything. Brad, you mentioned you know having a, a bit of a relationship with Drew Locke, and and you know we like to kind of force force comparisons sometimes, but a lot of people have kind of mm-hmm. compared Drew's four years to yours, and you know in that being a four year starter who kind of kind of battled through. Uh, a change in regime and uh, kind of some adversity, maybe not at, at the program's height, but could potentially mm-hmm. be setting it up for for someone else to kind of take it to new heights. Do you do you see some some aptness in that comparison and in what Drew has done huh, during his four years here? You know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was thinking about it um, at the draft. Just the similarities in in our experience. I mean, just from from wins and losses and um, kind of the expectations and kind of what ended up ha- actually happening and the team as a whole and I could definitely see that that comparison that relation um you know and and we're you know as a quarterback you're you're measured by wins and losses and no matter what stats you put up or um how good of a leader people say you are uh, you know they, they're measured by your wins and losses but at the end of the day it's a it's a team game it's a um it's a game where uh you know a few inches here a few misplays there will could change the course of a whole season I think Drew has done a he did an amazing job of of being consistent and even killed and and a leader um throughout the ups and the downs and I think you know as as if I was a parent like I would I would trade wins for building character any day all right, Brad, last thing for you. And uh, a lot of your college teammates have told me over the years that, that you were the best player they ever played with. I know you well enough to say to know that you're not going to say yourself, but whether it was in Missouri or in, in the NFL, who's the best football player you were ever uh, on the field with? Oh, man, jeez. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> uh But they can fight me, so I don't care. Probably the, the best um, flat-out at any position would be uh, Darrell Revis. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I played with Brett Favre, but, I mean, he, he was good. But just day in and day out, seeing from his rookie year to, you know, five or six years in, there wasn't anybody better at what they did than Darrell. Good so, deal. Well, Revis. Brad, really appreciate you taking the time, man. And I know a lot of Missouri fans will will love hearing from you, and we'll look for you the next time you're back in Columbia. All right, for sure. I appreciate you guys, and I always appreciate the Missouri fans. Thanks, All right, Brad. have a good one, Brad Smith, former Missouri quarterback, uh, joining us on the podcast. And I think we've been doing this podcast like eight, nine years. I think that's the first time we've ever had Brad. He was was down at the NFL draft, and. Uh, Hope to catch up with him then, but that weekend got a little bit hectic when things didn't go exactly as planned. And I, I mean, it, I guess you were probably like three when Brad Smith started his career. I remember his NFL career, and <laughs> I remember you know hearing that he went to Missouri, and then people yeah. say like, oh yeah, he's from Missouri, and he played quarterback. But I do not remember watching him play in a Missouri uniform. He was. I will. I would still say, as far as Missouri guys go, like he's easily the most important player this program's had in 20 years. I don't even think that's debatable. But just some of the things he did on the football field, I mean, it was one of those situations where every single opponent knew what he was going to do, and they just couldn't stop it. You know, he was he was, uh, he was was the guy that I think made a generation of fans. I remember my oldest son was, I guess he was about nine when Brad played his last game. And he discovered, like, that was it, that Brad wasn't playing for Missouri anymore. 
And he he cried about it, and he figured <laughs> out what college football was at that point. Like you only get to watch this dude for four years, and then he's gonna leave. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least he got you know Brad started for all, all four years. He got a good amount of him. <laughs> yeah, he did. And I mean, I think, I, you know, I think that Illinois game where it, I, I remember I was actually in uh, I was in South Dakota working when Brad was a redshirt freshman here, or when he was redshirting, and a story came out. Shortly before the 2002 season opener, that Pinkle was was naming this quarterback nobody had ever heard of. He was taking over for Kirk Farmer, who was going to be a senior, and Kirk had had started a couple years. And I remember reading that story and go, "Oh well, wonder how the next guy after Pinkle will do because he doesn't <laughs> know what the hell he's doing." And uh, I think it worked out. Yeah, I guess he had a decent idea. Yeah, he uh, it, it, from game one that. The Illinois game, there was the Nebraska game in 03. The Texas Tech game, he ran for 260 yards. I always thought his best game was a loss to number number one or number two, Oklahoma. It was like 30, Oklahoma 31, Brad Smith 24, because wow. he didn't have a lot else yeah. on that team, honestly. But uh, I appreciate Brad taking the time and without question, like the most humble, like understated guy I've ever covered. Dave Matters told me a story before the first time he interviewed Brad. Gary Pinkle afterwards walked by and, and said, what do you think? And Dave said, well, you know, he, he doesn't like say a lot. And Pinkle said, yep, just how I like it. <laughs> you know, so yeah. he was one of Gary's favorites. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, really refreshing and cool to talk to. He's, he's obviously had a really successful football career, but he, he, he doesn't dwell a whole lot on his uh, on-field yeah. achievements. So certainly a really cool person to, to hear from in Missouri history and just as a, as a person. And it's refreshing to hear a guy who made his living playing football be like, Man, football culture is kind of messed up. Like, yeah. you don't have to be that guy. Right. You know? Absolutely. So, and I thought it was interesting. That was his message to the Missouri team. So, real quick, before we just kind of wrap up some other stuff, every week we're doing this, uh, you know, how many can you name in a certain category? And we got a suggestion this morning that we both kind of liked uh, in honor of Brad Smith being on the podcast. Uh, they, they wanted us to name as many Brads in sports as we can. I, I actually thought of a handful of them. There are more than you think. None of them are really like super famous, but you know there are some. So you go first because okay. I can't. Think, I, I have nothing right now. I got. Okay. I got to think about I, this. I'm going to start with with uh, an easy one who's in the headlines today, and Brad Stevens. Okay. Yeah. The the first one that, that came to my mind, and this is just shows you how much rec- basketball recruiting stuff I've been doing is Brad Beal. Yeah, he sponsors yeah. the Brad Beal Elite uh, <laughs> EYBL team. That's I'm, I'm going to need to keep thinking here. Yeah, I definitely had Brad Beal on the list. Uh, okay, I'll go with like a couple that I think you won't name to to give you a minute to think. Uh, there's a NASCAR driver named Brad Keselowski, I believe. Okay, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, I know nothing about him. That's the extent of my knowledge. Uh, that's the extent of my NASCAR knowledge, pretty mm-hmm. much. Uh, and I'll go ahead and give you one more. Brad Faxon, former Oh, golfer. yeah, yeah, he's on TV. Yeah, yeah. Is he? <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, he does some commentary. Yeah, he won probably like I some meaningless like, tournaments. When I feel I was like there's got to be some, some more Brads in golf. Golf I, seems like a Brad sport. Yeah, I agree with that. But I'm, I'm, I, I can't think of any. This is I. I know I could come up with more, but I really didn't do. I didn't do any prep at all. I've, and by that, I mean I've, I read your text and was like, "That's neat," and then yeah. didn't think about it. I've I've got one more that I know for sure. Brad Johnson, the former oh, yeah, Florida yeah, yeah. State and Vikings quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah he um, won a Super Bowl, I think, right with the Bucks. I think he did, which yeah. is insane. Which is something. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was uh. There's a Chiefs player when I was growing up named Brad Buddy. I'm pretty sure nobody's ever heard of him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got anything? I'm, no, I'm, this is I'm poor. I'm carrying the load this here. This is extremely poor, yeah. I, I feel like I if I just, like, 
take give myself a few minutes to think not on air i'll uh mm-hmm. I'll, I'll come up with more but that is one of our rules is no thinking so. <laughs> right that's that's just generally a good approach to life yeah um, so we've got five or six um I, I'm, I'm absolutely i need to redeem myself next week this is a, a poor showing yeah i mean phil bradley can we count that i don't think so no okay. no i would I, if bradley was a first name and he could go by brad but i don't think that works in okay. reverse <laughs> um, well I was, I was i was trying i mean we got to like six uh i really can't think of anymore brad seems like a common name like one of my best yeah. friends growing up was named brad yeah i know people named brad apparently they just are not predisposed to athleticism <laughs> they, they can't play sports <laughs> yeah so uh real quick before we uh move on and, and kind of wrap things up with with what's coming up uh do want to remind you shakespeare's events and catering give them a call find them on the internet drive into any of their three locations in columbia send them a letter whatever you want to do if you're planning an event 25 people to 2,500 people. They will bring you pizza to uh, to accommodate all of those. Let's say maybe you wanted to have a party and invite everyone you knew named Brad. They could do that. Oh, they for could. sure. You might not even get to 25, though. <laughs> I don't know 25 Brads, but yeah. you would have to start inviting guys like Brad Faxon to yeah. your party to right. do that. But if you wanted to do that, Shakespeare's will cater it. Five to eight dollars a person. Just give them a call. They will take it from there, bring you the pizza. Um, so maybe before you leave town tomorrow, pick up some Pandas peppers and just, uh, you and Alex Schiffer can share it on the road to Indianapolis. That would be great. That would make my drive way better. I, and the Pandas pepper makes anything better. <laughs> so you are going to be in Indy EYBL. Yeah. You covered the Under Armour thing a couple of, and, and like, look, I want to preface this by saying I am not insinuating anything underhanded or anything like that, but it is so weird to me. And I don't know if weird's the right word still, though, but, like, all of Missouri's targets play on the Nike circuit, and they're a Nike school. Like, this stuff isn't accidental. All this stuff over the last year, like, they tend to recruit Nike players, and I I don't know why that is. I don't know if, you know. Yeah. Well, for one thing, Nike has a St. Louis-based team, and Under Mm -hmm. Armour doesn't, which is a big part of it. Also, yeah, I I think the the Nike circuit tends to attract – overall higher quality players or like a depth more depth of high quality division one high major type players but yeah i'll be there we'll have a ton of uh guys to catch up with like uh, probably i think like 15 to 20 guys who have mizzou offers will be there it'll be uh it'll be hectic but it'll be fun you'll get to interview at least three of them because that's the way these tournaments work <laughs> yeah there's the the access is at times limited but we're hoping for an improvement this I, year i do think and, and do want to mention we uh we made an announcement on twitter and on the site uh guy named AJ Blankenship is going to be joining us. Mitch is going to do the stuff in Indianapolis and kind of through next week on basketball recruiting. But AJ, who founded 314 Hoops, and he's based in St. Louis, but he knows a lot of basketball people. He's going to be uh, doing basketball recruiting stuff for us going forward on the site as we cover that. I've got to imagine, like, speaking of all these Nike tournaments, Under Armour tournaments, Reebok has a thing. Like, (laughs) I've I've got to think coaches – would love it if it was just AAU. Like if, the, oh, if yeah. the kids just all played and they could go to one place. I'm I'm certain they would love that. Yeah, I I I do know that you know they're looking into doing some changes though with with having high school sponsor more of these events that college coaches can cover and like a bunch of states just there aren't are doing a couple. It. Yeah, coming well, up. I saw like the deadline. Basically, you have to nominate yourself to yeah. go. Well, apparently, I guess it's from what I understand, and I admittedly I haven't followed this super closely, but some states were just like, "Nah, we're not going to do that." Like our high school kids will be fine. <laughs> yeah. So. 
which yeah. seems like a bit of a disservice to the kids. But yeah, I whatever. mean, if you're being recruited, get your anytime a college coach says I can come watch you play, you should probably go ahead and do that. Yeah. Unless you're not good, then yeah. don't play. Right. Then just just like be taller and and <laughs> right. not play. Just if, sit on the bench. If like, you've ah, got 24 offers ankle. and you're not a good basketball player, don't do those things. Right. But you know, if you think you're decent, I, I would think you'd want to go out and and do that. So. uh we're also next week. We've got a rivals camp in St. Louis. Missouri's going to have their football camp. So recruiting is is kind of the big deal, obviously, over the next couple months as far as the two major sports go. Uh, the Missouri softball team had to sit out a tornado warning and then lost at some point last night to Auburn in the SEC tournament selection show on Sunday. Like we think they're getting there. Yeah, that seems to be the case. I admittedly I don't know much other than what uh, what people I follow on Twitter and Power right. Mizzou tell me, but. Seems like they have a good case for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, they should get in. I would think they'll be a two seed. Their RPI is somewhere around 30. Could be a three seed. It really, which one of those you are really doesn't matter. It's just the color of uniform you're wearing. Uh, The baseball team is at Vanderbilt this weekend, home against Florida next weekend. I think if they find two wins there in the tournament probably Uh, the rest of the year yeah they're what 20th in the rbi right now yeah Yeah, they they look to be in a pretty good spot i think honestly you know and this this could be wrong they might be closer to working their way up to hosting than they are closer to falling out of the tournament yeah i mean 16 teams host i i I think the only way they can miss the tournament is if they like lose out if Mm -hmm. they just collapse they're they're probably not in but as long as they win a game or two i think they'll get in i I think hosting is is probably pretty probably a long shot but i don't know i mean it's not impossible you you take two or three in each of these next two series and of course that's hard to do at vanderbilt which is like the number two team in the country uh, right i'd be interested to see i mean Missouri has hosted a super regional before, but hosting four teams with a big time event, like I almost think the NCAA would come in here and they'd host that and then say, like, you guys got to do better. Yeah. If we're going to come here, there's got to be something better. Why is the why is why is it 70 degrees right. everywhere? Why else, is but there 35 on yeah. the baseball field? Why is there ice on the dugouts and it's the middle of summer? <laughs> uh, but like seriously, I mean, these are the things holding Missouri baseball back. Yeah. It, what Steve Beezer has done now, if if I'm him. I'm going to the administration and saying, look what I've done. Like, put some money into this thing. Because if they don't, I think you've really got to think somebody comes along and says, hey, Steve, we're going to pay you more than they're paying you, and we're going to give you nicer facilities, and we're going to give you a lot of things, and Missouri will have a hard time keeping him. Yeah, at the level to which, you know, some of these other SEC schools care about baseball, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they're more than willing to do that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly those coaches are getting an up-close-and-personal look at, at what Steve Beezer has done this season. So really impressive. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned the fact that it was very possible for this team to just kind of put it in the bag and take their right. postseason ban this year. So Yeah, and, and that is something like somehow I'm still asked this like every three days. Yes, softball and baseball can play in the tournament this year because the appeal is still ongoing. It's not going to be resolved until some point early in football season probably. So they can play this year. And if the penalties are upheld, then the, the downside of this is – the penalties end up getting upheld, then Steve Beezer and Larissa Anderson are going on the road recruiting and going, uh, yeah, you can't play your first year in the SEC or the NCAA tournament, which, don't get me wrong, you want to play this year and take your chances. Yeah. But the downside is right. it's not just gone. Like, it's right. still possible you face this. Yeah, that would one. definitely be a, a challenge on the recruiting trail. I don't you know, I don't know a whole lot about baseball and softball recruiting, but it would it would seem to me that, you know, if one school was like, Hey, you, you can come here but <laughs> right. you can't play in the postseason, the other one's like, You can play in the postseason. I'd be like, Well, that's a perk. <laughs> yeah. It, it, but 
And, and like, look, we don't know what's going to happen, but just looking at this, to me, there is no reason softball and baseball should have a postseason ban. I mean, yeah. it was like one player six years ago. If they uphold that, I, I don't really understand what's going on. I would understand more upholding the football ban where more people were involved. Right. No, I mean, yeah, that, that I think that's been something, you know, the Missouri Athletic Department's pointed out this whole time is that one, one or to three, like, athletes in each sport from who, all of whom are gone now. So certainly are, are not punishing the right people. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, I've, I almost cut myself trying to guess what the NCAA is going to do. Right. I can't be doing that because that's impossible. Yeah, that, that that the NCAA doesn't know what the NCAA is going to do. So uh, follow Mitch's stuff from Indianapolis this weekend. Get a pizza. Um, read the stories. Preferably your pizza is from Shakespeare's. That would uh, help us out. If you just go to Shakespeare's, just pretend you've never heard of it and say, I heard about this place on the PowerMizzou.com podcast. That's right. And I really want to try your pizza. So please Especially do Especially the pandas pepper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> go in, get a pandas pepper, say, this guy, like, I don't know who he is. Um, I don't really like him that much, but he told me to come try the pandas pepper pizza, and he's on Power Mizzou. That's what I know. So, uh do that and uh, come back next week. I, I talked to uh, Marcus Golden yesterday. We're going to try to get him on a podcast coming up. We'll have some some other kind of flashbacks. Once again, thanks to Brad Smith. I know a lot of you guys probably enjoy hearing from him. And uh, we'll be back next Thursday with another edition of the PowerMizzou.com podcast.